everybody and welcome back to another episode of the Reaction Therapy Podcast. I'm your resident psychotherapist Tom Stevens here with Nick to bring you another great episode. This is going to be a topic near and dear to my heart to hopefully help you find better mental health treatment. I mean, when we talk, Nick, about a topic like why therapy doesn't work, You'd think as a therapist, I would be saying therapy works all the time. I'm going to tell you today why it doesn't work and why it hasn't worked for people. So, wow. Nick, welcome. Thanks for having me. I mean, we're both here. <laughs> I I kind of am shocked by it. I'm interested. <clears throat> I'm actually interested to see what you say about this, because yeah. usually you will say therapy always works. That's what I would think a therapist would say. Like if I was a professional athlete, I would be like, yeah, like it it's a great job. Like I wouldn't say, oh no, people shouldn't go watch games and stuff like that. I don't know. It's just interesting. Well, I'm, I'm interested to hear what you have. To somebody say may this. say to you that, you know, working out always works. Yeah. And a professional trainer may say, if you do it the right way, you could work out and hurt Makes yourself. Sense. You huh. could work out and okay. exercise the wrong muscles. So that's where we're going today. Why therapy doesn't work. All right. I'm Love interested these in this one. Before we do that, I just want to say thank you so much for supporting the channel. I'm sure Tom thinks that way too. Absolutely. Because... Without you, it's not happening. Without Nick, it's not happening for sure. 100% on running the day-to-day -day operations. But without you, there is no way. Without the support. Yeah. I mean, the fact that we're in, you know, eight months where we are and so grateful, like every day to see subscribers coming on board and views from people and yeah. comments from people. So it's just been incredible to think of, you know, what was just a kind of cool idea ended yeah. up being an actual mission in the world to spreading mental health awareness. So yeah. it's cool. So just wanted to open the show with that, just to thank, thank you. you. We, we should open every show like that because really yeah. without y'all, we could not do this at all. Um, Probably was, part of the reason we say it every single time. I know yeah. we say it a lot, but we really do mean it. Yeah. And there's no other way for us to thank you other than saying it here thank or in you. a live stream. But, you know, we do talk a lot about how it's incredible to have the support. So, yeah. Also, I do want to say, I do want to plug something real quick because I ha I started a sports channel. And I just wanted to say that I would love it if y'all would support me over there. Y'all are so supportive over here. If y'all could be supportive over there, that'd be awesome. It's called Rise Up Sports. And I post sports content every other day on there. I would really appreciate it if you would go over there and just hit the sub button. I'm trying to get to a thousand subscribers so that I can do live streams. That's it's a really cool thing, a nice gesture to do. Nick is behind the scenes with everything here. Y'all don't understand the amount of editing, the amount of planning, scheduling, adjusting, adapting, staying on top of things that he really does that I don't do because I don't know how to do all that. And one nice gesture you can do is go over there and check out his content because he's talking sports. He wants to be able to have live streams to talk real time with people. And in order to do that, you got to get a thousand subscribers and he is on his way there. But if you could go support him by subscribing to Rise Up Sports, I've done it myself and I'm asking you to do that too. I think it'd be cool because it's another branch of reaction therapy that, wow, we can go off and talk about some sports. It's your deal. And hopefully yeah. I'll be a guest one day to talk on your show. Absolutely. He might already have been by this time. I don't know. But I don't know. So let's go in. I have an interesting intro topic mm -hmm. today. Let's just get into it. <clears throat> intro topic. So our intro topic of the day 
is going to be something related to somebody we've reacted to. And it's going to be Eminem and his daughter, Haley, who started a podcast recently. Yes. Wanted to get your take. I know you've I listened. I remember telling you about this. Yeah, I know you've listened to the first episode. There I might just... be another one by this time, by the time this comes out. I've listened to part of the first episode of it. Like, give me your take of it. I, I'm going to definitely finish watching it. But. I happened to pop in like right away uh, the first day it came out. I just yeah. happened to popped up on my feed and I'm like, this is the most interesting title of a podcast ever. So clever, right? For her to be able to, um, uh, to create a podcast that's, that's called, um, just a little shady and, you know, slim shady Eminem. Yeah. I just think it's really cool that, that she's a little shady. She's his daughter. And so <laughs> Haley's doing a podcast with her best friend and they're sitting on chairs and just talking for yeah. like 30 minutes in the first episode about life and things they've done and what they did on 4th of July. And it's just really cool to think, you know, to hear the inside story of people who have grown up the way that she has yeah. and the life that she has, I think is pretty cool. And and to learn as I did that she was really a rule follower early on, mm -hmm. which I would tell you is because of how chaotic the environment is in her life as a young child, the one way she got control and a mm -hmm. feeling of security was to make great grades, was to not get in trouble. She didn't get messed with the wrong crowd, none of that stuff. Yeah. So I think it was a way of her to compensate for, for all the stuff that happened early in life. Anyway, fascinating to talk to her one day about. I did put no a comment in there, see if maybe she'd be the podcast with us. But That'd hey, be awesome. she'll never read that, right? You never but know, man. It's kind of cool to at least watch a podcast, just yeah. a little shady. I think it's worth it. I oh, loved really it. Good. And go check it out. It's worth yeah. it. One of the things that I saw on that podcast also was that she opened up and she, she was introducing her co-host, which is her one of her best friends. Yeah. They met in like second grade. And one of the things they both said was they grew up, both of them were very shy. And I just wonder with all of what Eminem dealt with in his like marriage and stuff, I wonder if that shyness came because of seeing like her seeing her parents fight or I'm not really sure because I don't know the entire Eminem story, but I know enough to know that it was not a great home she grew up in most likely for at least yeah. part of it. So I don't know if you have any take yeah. on well, that at all. Without judging her too much because I don't know the story. The typical would be you grow up in a chaotic home. There's a lot of fighting all around. There's people coming in and out. You know, maybe a parent's here. They're not here. Maybe they're using substances. They're yeah. not totally mentally there. So when that happens, uh, especially when you interview people who are children of alcoholics, mm. that when you get an adult who is a child of an alcoholic, they do one of two things. Typically, they'll either hide under a table type of scenario, like let me just stay out of the way until the chaos subdues. Or they'll engage in the battle and their fight with the parents and get involved in the toxic chaos. Most of the time, though, for children, they hide away. And so to compensate for the chaos and the loud and the fighting and the stuff that's going on in the absent parents, she gets very quiet, gets very uh, uh, submissive, gets yeah. very much rule following. And it's a way to be able to feel some semblance of control. Mm -hmm. It's pretty cool. I would love to hear more about her story. Yeah. It would be cool. I just wanted to intro that because I thought that was interesting. Go check it out. It's just a little, just shady. A little shady. Um, it's a podcast name. It only has, I think it has, you know, 30, 60,000 subscribers or something, something like that. So, in the beginning, it had like 
when I saw it, 15,000 subscribers and it already had 5,000 views. Like yeah. everybody was watching yeah. it who was subscribed. I looked so it cool. I looked it up this morning. It has like 130,000 views now. Yeah. So it's definitely getting up there. Um, so everybody cool. wants to go check it out. But it is yeah. definitely worth the, I think it's like 26 minutes. So definitely go check that out. There might would, be a second episode by the time this comes out. Yeah, so. I think they're trying to do it once a week. I would definitely pay for that. Yeah. That would be a cool, that would be a cool. subscription thing. Patreon. Not that she needs subscribers, no, right? Not at all. But but still, it's a support of what she does. Yeah. So. Awesome. Okay. Well, now let's get into the main topic. Why therapy doesn't work. Man, already. This is going to be going to be easy. Piece of cake. This Piece is so cake. much fun. Love this. All right. I'll intro you because I have a couple questions just right off the bat. Okay. So in a, like, you say why therapy doesn't work. My first question is, well, what does therapy look like? In a good, like in, a, in the perfect scenario, what does good therapy look like? Because you say why therapy doesn't work. Let's flip it and say why therapy would work and how it would work in a good scenario is my question. Yeah, if, if people ask me, well, okay, if therapy did work, what would that look like? I would say the issues that you have in your life that you come into therapy for, whether it's abuse, trauma, broken relationships, depression, anxiety, any of that stuff, addiction, those issues will be remedied. So what I ask in the first session of anybody that I see is at the end of this, when we're done, assuming we get done, what is your life going to look like then that it doesn't look like now? So we paint a picture of what your life's going to look like. And when we paint that picture, we always go back and reevaluate that picture as treatment goes along. Like how close are we to that picture? And when therapy's good, you always keep a roadmap for that. So a really good therapist is like Google Maps, Waze, uh, Apple Maps, any of those things. When you go on a trip and you want to go somewhere, you've seen this, you put the address in mm -hmm. and you normally, let's say like you were going back to college, you mm -hmm. normally go this way and it's just kind of the way you go. All of a sudden, the map thing says, no, go this way. And we tend to look at that and say, oh, this is a shorter route, probably because there's a wreck, construction, things yeah. going on. When that happens, that's what a therapist is supposed to be like, supposed to be the one that lays the groundwork. That's what's called a treatment plan in our field. When we set up a treatment plan, which is the path to get from point A to point B, that's what we keep an eye on and we keep guiding. Like, let's veer off. Let's take a left. Let's not go there today. Let's talk about this this week. We guide that piece so that you can see we're getting you to the point, just like a trainer would in a gym. Like, I'm going to get your body to the point it needs to be, but we're just not going to start on that right now. Mm. Like, you may want huge biceps, yeah. but the trainer might say, Me. look, in order to start that, you have to be able to get your body in a certain kind of shape or you yeah. need to be able to tolerate a certain kind of weight. So we don't want to just bulk up immediately. So yeah. it's a treatment plan we're talking about. When therapy works, you have a good treatment plan and you follow it. Yeah. That that really speaks to me, honestly, uh, in, a, in a big way, because you mentioned the working out and stuff like that. For me, like I, I've worked out for a while and I haven't seen the results I want to. And I think it's because, and I've realized as I'm, I'm trying to lose a little weight, as I'm losing weight, I'm starting to see more results. And it's like, you first have to yeah. be on that treatment plan to gain the muscle because the muscle will be there. It just won't show up unless you actually yeah. lose the weight necessary. So <clears> that's, kind, that's kind of a good, a good way to look at how therapy actually will work Yeah. when you have to follow that treatment plan, even though it might be tough, like it might not be yeah. easy clients of yours i'm sure just want to get fixed and they don't mm -hmm. want to have to go through all of that but it's the best way to go you want to bulk up 
one way you've noticed that you can, without realizing it before, is to lose weight. When people come into therapy, they want to feel better. One way to be able to feel better is to not just instantaneously get a feeling and a yeah. fix. They have to go through some of the hard stuff. Yeah. Some of the stuff they've been avoiding for a long time. It's a very similar scenario. Yeah. So what what does therapy look like for most people? I know you have your own opinion on because I mean you see all different clients and you probably it goes a similar way for most people. I know you do different types of therapy, but like in general, not just for you, but in general, what does therapy look like when people just come into a session? Well, time and time again, I get people who come into my office and they talk about poor experiences of therapy in the past. Sometimes they come in and they've never had therapy before, mm -hmm. but they just, you know, it's a stigma, it's a negative, it's, it's a bad thing, or it's only when you have a problem that you need it. The best people come into therapy way before things get tragically bad. Like the, the sooner you go in, the better. Because if you have a good mental health professional, they're going to tell you, like, you really don't need to be here. Or really, this is okay. If it gets to this point, call me. Or, hey, let's take a break and let's come back in three months and revisit this. Or, you know what? Let's just see each other once a month or so just to check on it. Or let's do this weekly because you really need some help now. Any result or recommendation I give is based off what the people are presenting to me and where they want their life to go that it's not at now. And I try to see what I think would be best. If my car is not working, I trust the mechanic to be able to tell me this is really where the problems lie and this is what you need to do first, second, third, stuff like that. So the typical with me might be different than the typical with another professional, Nick. Like people who, who go into therapy have all different stories and they're not all trained the same way. They don't all have the same mentoring or background. They don't have the same work ethic. They don't have the same caseload. So you want to be able to recognize that if you're getting therapy, you need to interview somebody. It's okay to interview somebody and talk to them, ask them questions. And we're going to get into that, but find out if this is the place for you to be. And if it's not, find another place, look somewhere else for somebody else. But this is a chance today for you to understand all about the mental health field. And what therapy looks like typically with me is somebody calls, they come in, they set up an appointment because they have an issue. They get screened by my assistant to make sure the case is something that works with me. I do an initial consultation. I sit down with somebody, I say, tell me your story. I ask a, a ton of questions to figure out what I need to know to see the depth, the level, the intensity, and what I need to do with this case. And then I say, based on what you're telling me, this is what I would recommend now. Uh, whether it's further treatment, whether it's no treatment, whether it's a different treatment than we thought originally. So some people come in and they've had a divorce and they bring their children. They want to bring their children in to see me because they're going through a divorce. A lot of times I see the children. It's not the divorce that's bothering them. It's something completely different in life. So I always wait until that consult. And you never want to underestimate a consultation with a good professional because you could come see me for one session and even if you don't come back, you at least have a roadmap for whoever you see down the road, what to do with your life and with your issues then. So people don't have to see me over and over again. They could come in one time with a good doctor. You do that. I want a second opinion. I want somebody I trust to tell me what's going on with me or what they would do with me. And maybe I go out and see another doctor that's on my insurance mm. or another doctor that's in my town or another doctor that or another therapist that it's same way with therapy. Like it's good to get a consultation. People underestimate that all the time. They just mm. want to sign up for therapy, get in and start this unending process. But you should always have a beginning and an end, mm. not just an open-ended like, okay, well, we'll just start seeing each other for the rest of our lives. Mm. 
it shouldn't happen that way. Would you say you have a lot of people that do just come in for a consultation and then just don't don't come back? Like they just want to get advice for an hour and a half and then leave it, or like it's probably about a third of the people that come in honestly. Huh. Uh, number one, because it's very expensive. Yeah. Number two, because it may be too much for them to deal with. Like sometimes people come in, and it's like, ooh. I mean, why don't people want to go to the doctor to see if they have lung cancer or some other kind of big issue? Because I don't want to get the bad news. So a lot of people avoid it, which is it's better to come on in and do it and at least have a path to work. But they come in also, it's expensive. They might not want to do the work, but also... They want to go back out in life and try it. And they yeah. take tidbits from me and they go out and say, let me go see if I can take some of what you're saying, implement it in my life hmm. and do something with it. But it's gotcha. it's a commitment to go to therapy. Yeah. But so many therapists don't do consultations the way I do. They don't do treatment the way I do. So I can't really speak to them. I can only speak to me. And I get frustrated when I see a lot of mental health professionals that kind of just see people over over. It's a revolving door until the people quit. And then they just kind of go away and people mm. tell me, well, I just kind of stopped seeing them or it really wasn't going anywhere. So we yeah. just stopped. And we need to, when that happens, we need to evaluate your treatment plan. We need to see, well, what's the final picture? Are we getting there? Where, why are we stuck? Is it me? Like if it's me as a therapist, I want to know so I can change what I'm doing. And so many people feel like they can't say that. Like, I don't think you're understanding me the way I'm talking or Tom, I feel like you're talking yeah. too much in session. I don't get to talk. I would be like, thank you for telling me that. But a lot of people feel like they can't when they go into a therapist, they can't speak up. Mm, interesting. Yeah. I mean, this is looking more and more like this is very related to like any kind of activity that you're trying to do and you're trying to, like if you're trying to get fit, go to the gym, very similar. It's like, you got to stick to it. You can't just go one time and then never go again. Like mm -hmm. you have to actually stick to it yep. and stick to the treatment plan you're trying to be yeah. on. It's kind of interesting. So really therapy is very depressing for a lot of people. People that have a negative view on therapy. Why? Because they've had negative experiences with it. So that's yeah. why I say why therapy doesn't work. It doesn't work because number one, people go to it and then quit because it's terrible and mm -hmm. they didn't like it. Number two, they quit because it's hard. It's hard work. And number three, they quit because I believe they don't have a treatment plan that yeah. was set up from the beginning to follow. Interesting. And then also like when people want to go to therapy, when they're actually like, okay, I realize the problem because I feel like that's half the problem is really realizing that you actually need help. Yeah. But once you realize you need help, what questions should you ask if you're trying to seek therapy and like when you go to a therapist's office what questions should you ask so i mean i'm a yeah. guy who wants to get the most out of something and so like i want to ask the best questions to get the best help that i can so what would you say to that this is probably the best question posed for any mental health period that people don't understand that you need to come prepared when you seek mental health treatment with questions. You are the customer. You're the client. Yeah. You're the one who is paying for this. You're the one who's seeking it. I am the one not to just do whatever you say or not to fix anything you have because I sometimes I can't fix the problem, but you're the one who is here for help. And yeah. so it's important. To, it's like getting an order at a restaurant, right? Mm -hmm. If you don't like onions on your food, you're the one that can say, no onions. No yeah. onions, and it's okay. But how many times do you see people order food and they say no onions, and then the food comes and there's onions, and you know what people say? Just, it's okay. Yeah, it, it's fine. Like I'll I'll just take them off, or I won't. I, I it's okay. We don't want to bother. 
go into therapy with questions. And so you want to prepare those ahead of time. And it's okay to ask any question of me that you want to ask. The, the very first tip I'll give you, if you want to seek mental health treatment, go ask a therapist you find online or anywhere else if you can have a few minutes of their time just to talk by phone. If they don't want to give you that, then go another direction. And I know like as busy as I am with the waiting list I've got, and I've got an assistant, Jackie, who's amazing, who fields all my calls, that she's the one that answers first. If I need to be on the call, she will tell people, absolutely, we'll set you up. It might be in between one of his sessions because I'm going back to back in sessions all day and I might have five minutes in between a session, but that's fair. Like, that's okay. I'll yeah. give you that time to be able to talk to you. You know why that's good? Because you can hear their voice. You can mm -hmm. hear their compassion. You can hear their kind of way they communicate and you can explain very briefly what's going on with you. And for me to be able to give you not a quick piece of advice to change your life, it's to say, you know what? Maybe a consult would be good. Or you know what? Actually, you're talking about an eating disorder. And I would go to somebody who's a specialist in mm -hmm. that, of which I'm not. And I would be able to work to get you referrals for that. So just a few minutes. If they don't want to give it, go the other way. Because I believe that for 27 years, I can give a few minutes to anybody. It may be tomorrow or the next day, but I will find a few minutes in between. I can't sit 30 minutes on the phone with you because I'm, I'm in and out of appointments. And then I'm yeah. with my family. But I will give you a few minutes. And I think that's fair. Ask for that. Second thing, have questions about uh, what the procedure is. Like, how do you work things in your office to a mental health person? Jackie has a whole list of questions we've created in our office to get all the information we need. But when people ask questions, I want them to say, so what does a typical first session look like? What does a consult look like? How long is it? How much does it cost? Uh, what am I going to get out of it? Like, what's the end result for that? And what do you need to know ahead of time for me? Do you want information ahead of time? Many times I tell people, go ahead and email me whatever it is about your history you want to tell me. And if I get a chance, I'll read it. I can't promise, but most of the time I always do. Uh, then I'll read it and check it and I'll kind of already know what's going on with you ahead of time. And ask questions about the type of counseling I do. Like I tell people, I tend to talk more. I'm not just a person that sits there and listens. I tend to... Uh, troubleshoot and brainstorm with people on things. And I also am very relational. I like to build relationship. Y'all know that. So I want to build relationship with the client. And so I'm a relational person that is real, honest, and genuine. I will tell you exactly how I feel or what I think. And I'm not going to sit there with a pad and a pen and my leg crossed and just listen for an hour. I'm not going to do that. Other therapists might tell you I'm really more of a person that helps you understand and reflect on your feelings and use a client-centered approach of just letting you kind of talk through things. Other people say I'm a cognitive behavioral therapist. I deal with troubleshooting. You tell me the problem, we get a solution, you go out and practice it. And so just ask, you know, what, what, how they work, what they do. So if you have questions, even personally, like people come into my office, right? Y'all know me and, and we have different crosses on the wall and stuff. Like they might get freaked out by that. Like, so do you bring out the Bible in sessions? And I tell them, <laughs> no, I don't bring out the Bible. If you want to bring the Bible, you can bring the Bible. We can talk about it and look at it. We can, if you want to pray, we can pray. I don't bring myself into the session. And so I like people that ask like about me and what I might do in session. So ask all questions you want, put them down on paper, ask them in a little phone interview or ask them in person during the consult. Interesting. And then kind of a follow up to this one. Um, what would you say, like, speaking of like questions, what would you say is like the biggest 
are the top two or three questions that people don't ask you that you think they should ask you in a session? Man, that's a good one. I, I feel like I run across this all the time. Number one, <clears throat> what does your therapy look like? How do you do therapy? If somebody just asked that and I said, well, I'm kind of like Waze or Google Maps, okay? We talk in the beginning about what's going on in your life and what the problems are. I create a map that I think is the best, quickest, most effective way to get where we're going to go. And I show you that map and we talk about it. And then we continually evaluate as treatment goes on, whether that's seeing each other weekly, every other week, once a month. Uh, that's one real good question people can ask. How do you do treatment? Like what kind of therapist are you? And any therapist should be able to give you that answer. The second thing is what, how do you work your sessions? Like what kind of, you know, is it, is it even us talking back and forth? Is it me talking most of the time? Uh, how do you, what, what's your personality like, Tom? And I'll tell you, I'm a talker. I like to talk. I like to hear about your life. I'm very relational. So ask about the person, like just type of personality you are. But you know what? In five minutes on the phone with people, they can already tell my personality. They can tell, you know, most of the time with me, people come privately, like they were referred by somebody privately. Yeah. It's not through some insurance. So asking about my personality is good. Also, if you need a negotiated rate or you can't afford to pay, because I'm very expensive, it doesn't mean I can take anybody for whatever they can pay. Ask about it. Do you take a sliding scale? Do you negotiate your rates down? And I always tell people, I will be happy to discuss that with you in the first session. So typically my initial consult session, people have to schedule. That's just a part of it. So the yeah. fee for that is what it is. And I will negotiate with you then. And it's important to know if you need to pay less and you really want to see this therapist then tell them, I really, really want to see you and I'm willing to do the work and I want to work hard and I want to be able to give everything I can to you. I just can't afford what this rate is. I will talk you through the process of what that is. 10% of my practice pays zero mm -hmm. when they come in. They have since day one of me doing this 27 years ago. Those are always full all the time, right? Because everybody would want one of those spots. Yeah. There are other people who don't even pay my full rate. They pay half of what my rate is. And that's because they do the work. I won't take somebody who's not going to want to do the work and reduce their rate. And number two, they come when I want them to. So that's one of the other conditions for me. If you pay less to come in and see me, I get to decide when you come in because it's going to be at a slow time or a time where it's not as big of a deal. So you have to negotiate that and compromise a little bit with that. And it's important. Ask and I'll think of it as time goes on here, because some of the questions that you should ask that you don't, um, you know, uh, what will I get at the end of the session? Like, what, what are we going to come out of, with at the end of the session? And yeah. are you religious? Mm -hmm. uh, do you have a problem with me being Muslim or Buddhist or atheist? Or do you work with this population? Do you work with this type of person? Ask that, yeah. that a lot of people don't until they get in. Yeah. And they think they're just supposed to be submissive to that. And so sure. be assertive and ask what you need to ask. Cool. Great answer. Um, really quick here now, I'm going to ask you this. Do you think virtual or uh, with, I mean, with everything that's happened in the world the last couple of years, virtual therapy has become a lot bigger than it used to be. So virtual versus in-person therapy, which do you think is actually better? I'm sure you're going to say in-person just because you're an in-person therapist most of the time. Yeah. In-person is better without a doubt. Like in-person is if you're getting the most quality yeah. type of experience, it's the best. It's kind of like saying 
is going to a concert or watching a concert live on YouTube better? Which one? And most people are going to say the experience is way better, but maybe the concert's not in my state. I can't get to it. So it's the next best thing. But I will tell you this, honestly, because uh, we've been working on partnership here with some telehealth people. And in doing that, telehealth is better than nothing. And it can actually be just as effective as in-person for certain things. If you need quick tips on your routine, balance keeps me stable stuff of your routine, your schedule, accountability, parenting, like how to handle a situation with a four-year-old that, you know, is not staying in their room or, or staying or sleeping in their bed at night. They're just having a hard time. There are certain troubleshooting things that can be just as effective in person as telehealth. So mm-hmm. I really don't discount that. Telehealth can be very effective. If you're coming in and saying, I've got childhood trauma, or I've just been in a terrible accident and uh, I'm scared to get back in my car. If you can find a person to see face-to-face, do it with that. So some things that are deeper traumas, deeper life histories, it is very difficult. Addictions that way. You want to deal with it in person at first. Eventually it could be. But look, it's better than nothing. I just don't want you to think that since I can't see anybody in person, it's probably best just not to see anybody. Go see somebody and there are really good mental health therapy platforms virtually to be able to see and if you don't like them switch to somebody else until you find somebody the trouble is on those nick a lot of times you're not going to find a tom on those telehealth yeah platforms because we have busy full practices with people waiting to come in so a lot of times those telehealth platforms have more watered down therapists. Like you're getting people with all different walks of experience from a year to 20 years. You're getting people from all different places in the world doing the therapy. So they have different cultural experiences. And so you don't know, and that's why you need to keep your options open about seeing people. You might not find a great therapist the first time, but I've seen plenty of people who are telehealth virtual, who are on insurance networks. I've seen people who are really good and talented that do it. The difference is, as you get better in the mental health field, the typical standard is people leave insurance and virtual stuff because the compensation, the pay for it is so much lower. You have to see twice as many people just to get the income that you need. And so they go off on their own. And that's that's the rub here. But sometimes it can be worth it seeing a Tom. Mm -hmm for six months versus an average person for 12 months. Yeah. Honestly, like you can do less treatment with a really good therapist and get more out of it than you would see somebody on and on and on a regular therapist. So remember that all therapists aren't the same. All doctors aren't the same. So you have to know a virtual can be super powerful and super good, I believe, in its context with the right thing. And I think if you got a virtual therapist, they would be good enough, hopefully, to say, you know what? This sounds like something that really needs to be in person with somebody. And I'd encourage you for us to look and find somebody in your area. Uh, I can be here as a supplement, but I'm not here as a therapist because these issues are too big. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, you can't uh, can't exactly do therapy through reactions. Just like how you say in all your reactions, it's like, this isn't real therapy. This is just Tom breaking down lyrics. I mean, but for a lot of people, they say, this is my therapy. therapy. And you know what? It's better than nothing. It is. And it's also, how many people have told us, 
I'm going for therapy now. Yeah, a lot of people because of what y'all are doing. Exactly. Yeah. So I mean, this definitely. I mean, it's better than nothing. But Nick, watching this, I thought about this. Oh gosh, I thought about two things. Number one, should I sign up for BetterHelp just just on a whim? It's almost like Harry Mack on Omegle. Yeah. Right. You (laughs) scroll through and you're like. There's Harry Mack. Like, that's the dude that's so famous. <laughs> yeah. Like, if you were on BetterHelp and you went and signed up for it, and all of a sudden you're matched with Tom, would you be like, dude, dude. I got Tom. This is so awesome. Not and it's so. affordable because that is way more affordable than coming to me. Yeah. I've thought about doing that as a sample That'd and just really trying funny. it, even though I'm super full already with work. And I've thought about going to BetterHelp as a client. I've thought too. about this. Oh, you know that Undercover Boss show? Mm-hmm. Yeah, where the boss goes in, the owner goes in and acts like an employee and, and sees how people really treat each other. Yeah. I've thought about going in to better help as a client because, you know, I have stress. I have things that happen in life. Let me talk to some of these therapists and see how they handle me. Yeah. And whether I feel like I'm getting quality treatment. Is there no better way for me to recommend yeah. something than that? You know, that, that kind of reminds me also of uh, when when I was at, at college, um, we got there's a counseling center, obviously, at college. And um, we we got six free sessions of therapy. I didn't use. I actually didn't go at all. But I really thought. And you obviously, didn't never go. I, I mean, I they never sit down. Didn't with them? really need to. It was free. <laughs> but what I was thinking about, I thought about it a lot. It's like I should go and just like just say, hey, I just want to talk about my life. And then at the very end, say, yeah, my parents have been licensed counselors for twenty seven years. So. <laughs> just to see what they would say which i would want you to say and that's why i need so much help here <laughs> help me but i just i just would want to see what they would say i love it i've actually had people who have been children of therapists and i've seen them and then i've also seen somebody who's come in with their child and they're like yeah my parent the the grandparent of this child is is a therapist mm. and so i grew up around it and you know what those are typically better people to see because they've been grounded in communication yeah. and feelings and all that stuff that's true that's an yeah. interesting point that would be all funny. right so i think this is our last question should i, know... I do it that would be my vote like we should yeah. put a poll out think? should tom go to better help as a client to see if it works or should tom go to, or any of these mental health yeah. telehealth platforms or should tom go as a therapist on one of these platforms for three months to see if it if it's legit yeah that'd be interesting there you go all right this is unfortunately our last question we, no! did, not, we did not get through all of them but you know time is running short so Come on. has to be your last question i'm so sorry um <laughs> what is the difference between in the mental health field i guess i should say first because i mean you can have different degrees in other fields, but in the mental health field, what's the difference between different degrees? Like you could have a PhD, you could have a master's degree. I'm not really sure if you could have a bachelor's degree in the, in the therapy field, in the therapy field. I don't know if that's the right word or like a doctorate degree. What's yeah. the difference between like all of those different degrees in the mental health field? The thing people get confused the most on right here. This is what they get confused on. They call everybody doctor. They call everybody psychologist or psychiatrist. And yes, you can have a bachelor's degree in the mental health field. The bachelor's degree, which is a degree from college, mm-hmm. is would be something you could get an LCDC for, which is a licensed chemical dependency counselor. So those are people that deal with addiction and can be in treatment facilities and stuff. Mm-hmm. They're not master's degreed. And the way to get licensed in most states, not all of them in the United States, the way to get licensed in most states is to have a master's degree. So you wouldn't be able to get licensed... Uh, you can do the LCDC. That is a licensed chemical dependency counselor, mm-hmm. but it is considered at a different level than 
a licensed professional counselor or a marriage and family or a social work person. So interesting. You go bachelor's level, which is typically there's not much you can do with it. Mm -hmm. Then you go to a master's level. Okay. Master's level therapist, just consider as the grassroots, like they're on the front lines. They're the people on the ground doing a lot of the groundwork. They're doing the counseling. They're doing the therapy day to day. Those are your professional counselors, your social work people, your marriage and family people. So you get a, a grad, you get an undergrad degree, you get a master's degree, and then you get licensed by your state to practice as that professional. Okay. So the state kind of oversees that credential. Then they do mostly counseling, not too much else. Now there's fringes of other things, but they do basically counseling. Then you get to a PhD level, which is a doctorate. After you have a master's degree, you go back to school for two or three years, get a doctor degree, a PhD. The PhD people, which are typically psychologists, they're the ones that mostly do testing. They may go do teaching too at universities and stuff, but they do a lot of testing. They can also do therapy too. Uh, a lot of them do assessments. A lot of them are a little bit more behavioral, cognitive behavioral. They're not as much in the day-to-day -day feelings of therapy, just regular counseling. Generally, now there's tons of exceptions with that, but generally speaking, the reason people go get a PhD is because they want to do assessment, testing, evaluation, and they work with clients in counseling, but they also assess to figure out what the diagnosis is. But they can't prescribe medicine, Neither can a master's level person. So a master's level person like me can't do testing. It's not my interest. It's not what I want to do. A PhD level person can't do a prescribing of meds. Then there's an MD at the top. So bachelor's degree, a master's degree, PhD, and then an MD, a medical doctor. That means you go to full-blown medical school, which is, you know, six, seven years. I don't know. It's a long time. You want to be a medical doctor. Those are your pediatricians. Those are your psychiatrists. And those are the ones that can prescribe medication. And it used to be that MDs did therapy also back in the 70s, 80s. Now they just prescribe. Pretty much no psychiatrist is going to prescribe, is going to do counseling. They're just mm -hmm. going to prescribe. So you go for med checks. It's very frustrating because people go in. You know, you get like 10, 15 minutes with the doctor. You figure out what are the symptoms, good, bad. Okay, here's your prescription, go. So psychiatrists typically just do medicine. So understand that. Psychiatrists do medication, generally. Psychologists do testing, generally. Master's level do counseling, generally. Okay, and then the bachelor's level is pretty much your LCDCs, which are going to do drug and alcohol uh, dependency counseling. So if you understand those levels, a lot of people say, I need a child psychologist, or they'll say, Tom's a child psychologist. Well, I'm not really, but I don't like correcting people because it, people don't understand yeah. all the ins and outs of that. I'm a therapist, but, uh, when, if you want a psychologist, it's typically because you want to be evaluated for something mm -hmm. or you want your child evaluated, ADHD, depression, anxiety, you know, developmental delays, stuff like that. If you want medication, then you need to go to an MD, a medical doctor. That could be your general doctor. That could be a pediatrician for a child. That could be a psychiatrist. Psychiatrists know way more than anybody else in terms of medication. So they're the top tier to go to because they're just specifically for that. A regular doctor or a pediatrician, they do kind of general doctoring. But understand, you don't want to go just get medication without therapy. And a good doctor will tell you that. You need to be in treatment too. You need to be in counseling too. But sometimes... You want to use medication to help you get leveled off. Then you do your counseling with it, and then you get off the medication to live your life. So those are the levels of treatment. Very good to know so yeah. that you know when you seek treatment, what are you looking for? Are you looking for counseling, the grassroots therapy? Are you looking for evaluation? Or are you looking for medication? And like 
your title is psychotherapist. That's yes. what you're technical and you see on every video psychotherapist reacts. Yeah. So can you explain a little bit like what is a psychotherapist exactly? That's that's a general term to kind of encompass all therapists. So I don't say I'm a licensed professional counselor or another person doesn't say I'm a licensed marriage and family counselor. It's just a long yeah. way to say what we do. So if I say therapist, you know what most people say? Oh, so what kind of physical therapy do you do? Like, yeah. what do you work with? Yeah. Or occupational therapist. So it's hard to just say therapist because a lot of people apply it to a lot of different things. So to say psychotherapist means... We are in the psychology field and we do counseling. We work with people on a day-to-day -day basis with therapy, with the mental health aspects of their life. So when you hear psychotherapists, it's just trade term for counseling. When I say yeah. I'm a counselor, they might say, well, what youth camp do you work at? Yeah, I know. Or what school do you work that's, that's at? That's true. You're a counselor. So yeah. I need people to understand that the reason we use the term psychotherapist is to isolate us to see, oh, they do the counseling for mental health yeah that's all and like i'm not gonna go very far on this but like people will say like psycho like would you deal with psychos like yeah. well, how does it how psycho does it, is the mind okay. psychology gotcha. the mind yeah so gotcha. when you're when you're looking and i don't know the breakdown of psycho and a logi uh but i think logi is like thinking mm. and uh we need to go look at that yeah because i've broken that down before but it is understanding the mind. It's understanding, you know, the body. It's understanding gotcha. the, the whole makeup of a person and how they can get better. So that's why it's psychotherapist, gotcha. psychologist. You know, that has psycho in it too. Same yeah. thing. I Psychologist. Remember, I remember when I was a kid, people asked what, like, what, what did your dad do? And I'm like, he's a physical therapist because yeah. I was so young. I'm like, I don't know. He's a therapist. And so I'm just like, yeah, he's yeah. a physical therapist. And people are like, oh, okay, cool. He like works on on people and yeah. like for injuries and I'm like, no, it's not what he does. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just didn't know. I was a little kid. I didn't know. Well, what he... <laughs> and, and we didn't even add in the piece today. That's a good point because a lot of people have misconceptions. It's good to ask another question to ask your therapist when you call, but the other piece is life coaching. I didn't even mention that, but getting yeah. into today's world, there's a lot of life coaching out there, man. That is the wild, wild west y'all. It doesn't mean it's bad because I know some that are phenomenal, like phenomenal life coaches. But it's the ones that have had a lot of training, okay? They don't just go with their life experience and say, I'm going to go help people now, deal with their mental health, deal with their anxiety, their PTSD, their depression, their addiction. They know when they've reached their limit on, on expertise. Yeah. So life coaching is a big deal. And you know what? You don't need anything to be a life coach. You can just say I'm a life coach. It's kind of like a trainer. I'm a trainer now. I can help you work out. Like I've, I've read, I've looked at YouTube. I've studied some videos. I know the, the body. That's different than going to school for it. So generally speaking, when you see somebody licensed, they've been yeah. to school. Now, for me, at 27 years into doing this, I'm I'm at the point where I feel like I'm ready to get rid of all my licenses and just be a life coach because, like, it, it just it, – it's a lot of standards that go into play, mm -hmm. and I'm on the downward spiral, and I get frustrated with all the protocols they make yeah, you do with licensing – but I could be a life coach and nobody would mind, right? Because I have the experience I do in life. If yeah. you're 26 years old coming out of school and you say I'm a life coach, people, <laughs> don't you, if somebody says I'm a life coach doctor, like, you know, you go to a doctor, you want to know they have a degree at least, right? You want to know they've studied yeah, it. I think if a 26 year old said they were a life coach, it'd been like, but you've hardly lived any life. How could you be a life coach? Like, that's what I would think it yeah. was though. All right, what a that was a good episode. I think a lot, talk people, all day. a lot of people learned a lot. I think from if you watched this far at least, so there was some good stuff in Especially there. Especially if you're seeking mental health treatment. 
Just yeah, watch it over sure. again. Send it to people. Yeah, we definitely need to do a part two of this because we didn't get through all. I feel like in all of these, we don't get through everything. Well, but And being able to get to, like, you know, we've said Q&A stuff before where, you know, we get people ask, ask Tom any question you would want to ask a mental health professional. Yeah, let's answer them. That's true. All right. And speaking of that, let's go into our Q&A section. Wow, I didn't even mean to transition. Yeah, I, we're going I thought right we weren't doing it today. Now we're doing it today. So Yes, I love we this go. part. The Q&A. This is like my favorite part. Your favorite part? There's some good questions today. So first question comes from Scottish Emma. Oh, Emma. Uh, all the way over there in Scotland. Yep. Emma's cool. been around a long time. A long, always long time. has great comments, great takes. I need to get her a membership. She's not a member. She's not a member of YouTube yet. But let me tell you, she's been loyal. She's been faithful. She has been here from the beginning. And I'm very grateful for you, Emma. Thanks for the question. Yeah. All right. Her question, she had a couple. I'm just going to do one. She says, is there any music that you've reacted to that you've instantly added to a playlist? Gosh. I mean, we have our playlist. We have but. the Reaction <laughs> Therapy official playlist. It really is my go-to playlist. So I'll put it on, uh, what's that, just kind of filtering through randomly oh, yeah. songs. And I'll fast forward if I'm in a certain mood to certain songs. Yeah. Any songs that I put instantly, well, 21 Pilots started right away. Like... You know, that those songs, not all of them, but a lot of them I put in instantly. Yeah. And um, I'm trying to think of, oh, uh, the Rod Wave songs hit me instantly. You know, I'm, I'm going away from the mainstream of like Juice World, Eminem, uh, NF, all those kind of things. And I'm trying to think of like the branched out versions of, of different things. Amity Affliction, hmm. when I heard, um, that was the one with cancer, right? Yeah. Yeah. That, that no, was my chemical romance. My chemical romance. That's cancer. right. My chemical romance when I heard cancer, incredible. Hmm. Uh, that just blew me away. And so that's one I listened to for sure, even though it can be slightly depressing. <laughs> I just love the way that song was put together and it brings memories to me. Hmm. Um, so, man, trying to think of anything recently that yeah. uh, that I would have put in there. Can you think of anything? I don't. For me, it's all like upbeat stuff because I work out a lot and you know play sports a lot. And so, like for me, like "Yay Not Crazy" one one of my favorite songs ever right now by Jonah uh -huh. Lucas is one that I instantly put on a playlist. I put a lot of Juice World songs. I mean, I've already I already listened to NF before, so he was already on my playlist. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, there there are different ones where it's like, wow, I want to hear that over and over again. And and we've got tons of Juice World on there. But the other ones too, and I'm just I'm trying the Coldplay has been good. That one you did for my birthday was yeah. really cool. Uh Sky Full of Stars. And yes, so when I hear something inspirational or something that tugs on emotion, that's what does it for me. Yeah. Uh, so I don't always listen to just hard beats of things anymore. Sometimes I listen to something that just really puts me in the mood for work or puts me in the mood yeah. for going for a run. Mm. Yeah. Good question, Emma. Thank um, you, Emma. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Uh, next question comes from Dallas, who is a new member recently. I think, All right, Dallas. I think he was one of, one of the first like groups of members, like maybe in the 20, 20th member, maybe, I don't know, mm -hmm. something like that. Dallas says your top favorite, Top favorite five, top five favorite Juice World songs. Love the videos. Thank you to whoever gifted me a membership. <laughs> yes. So, a lot top, of gifting going on. Yeah. Top five favorite Juice songs. 
Oh, this is really tough. I mean, there's so many. Uh, the one I keep saying the it, one. <laughs> but the one where he's got money, you can keep it. Thing where Armed he's on the dangerous. plane, armed and dangerous. Uh, man of the year. I just love the beat of that. I think it was. Uh, is it candles? Candles is a good one. That was one. Because I'm remembering the songs, but not the actual name of them all the time. Uh, and there was one that goes way back to the beginning. It wasn't Burn. Wishing Well. Maybe. It's oh, the, the one where he was doing one. therapy. He was in. Oh, Lean With Me. Lean With Me. That was really cool. Not, yeah. not only because he was in therapy and he was going through that. I didn't know what Lean was. I didn't know what, uh, you know any codeine was or any well, of that the, was man of the year the stuff I, <laughs> I didn't know yeah that was funny those let's see so those and then probably oh um the uh the one he did with justin bieber wander to la yeah i like that I and you can tell they're more poppy based sometimes i like because i like just kind of bobbing around with those so yeah. that'd be it. i would say one or two LA is up there for me as well really cool fast is my favorite juice roll song i've said that many times fast is my favorite um i really like um man the year's good I'm trying to think of man there's the there's so many there's so many of yeah. juice roll song it's hard to i think sometimes this is up there for me it finally got released after a while it was unreleased for a while, but mm-hmm. um, I don't even know. Like, there, look there's the just list. so many good ones. It's Wishing Well is really good. It's up there. Even some that you haven't reacted to yet are some of my favorites. Um, yeah. There's one with Halsey called Be Kind, I think. Oh, the one he did with... Um, with I think, no, he's not on that one. It's a different Halsey song, but good. The one he did with... Um, blanking. But he had a feature on it. The other one. The young guy. Kid. The Kid Leroy. Kid Leroy. Yeah. So go or? Yeah. Isn't that was the one with Juice? Go, yeah. go, go. Yeah. Yeah. That, so I love those collaboration things. Yeah. There's yeah. one. Um, oh, gosh. What was that? It was. Oh, man. It's You haven't reacted to it yet. There's one. Or maybe by this, this time you have. It's with him. It was. Oh, I can't remember. It was him. And there was a really, really cute, attractive girl who's like a librarian or something in the video. Y'all will know which one this is. I can't remember the name of it right now, but I like that one. I don't know. (laughs) It was a catchy song. But yeah, that was a good question. All right. One more and we have to get out of here because we're way over time. Let's do it. Last question comes from Quinn. I'm not even sure. It's Q-U-I-N-O-X. I'm not sure how to say it. All right, Quinn. Quinn is what I would think it is. Let's call it Q. You, well, you react to some of your personal favorites, even if they aren't like mainstream artists. Like, would you react to your favorite kind of music, even if it's not mainstream? Absolutely, I would. If Nick will let me do that, no, yeah, he would. There are times I'm like, I'm gonna do this. Remember, well, you, you did the Avril Lavigne. Time. Avril Lavigne. I'm like, I'm doing this because I really like her music. I like the the vibe she has. I'd like to do some Alanis Morissette too. I don't I'd like know to who go, that is. I'd like to go back, and she's the one that did, isn't it ironic? Uh, amazing. And I'd like to do some 80s yeah. rock stuff. I really would like to go back and do, even though I've listened to it already. Uh, so a lot of the stuff that I like, I would listen yeah. to. The Christian music I've done, I really like. Mm-hmm. Like I've done Gyra with 
Justin, Justin Bieber. Bieber. I've done uh, the in Jesus name. Hmm? In, in Jesus, Jesus name, name all, did, too, um, uh, all too well. <laughs> um, the, um, anyway, yeah, so when things. I do like Taylor Swift or I will do Olivia Rodrigo or Selena Gomez, many times I'll want to do those. Yeah. So I'll pick those. So yes, there are dabs of things I like that get put in here that, that really matter to me. Yeah. So yeah. Good one. Absolutely. Thanks. Great awesome. questions. Great Thank questions you so much. Today. Um, we would do more. There's a ton more on here. So we'll, we're going to have questions for today. If you don't delete them. <laughs> I'm not touching it anymore. <laughs> all right. All. Well, the final topic of today is the quote of the podcast, which I'm <laughs> sure you haven't made up yet. But here we go. Here's a transition. I haven't, I haven't made this up. I need to like sit down and write some of these. Yeah. Uh, have, because so many you can it, think of I them. think of them as I go yeah. with life, but I don't I don't tend to write them down. So I have these bits of nuggets of wisdom inside. Uh, so anyway, I, I don't really have a quote. The only thing I would Come say on. is when it comes to the topic today, which is, you know, why therapy doesn't work, you know, um, is to remember that your therapist is your roadmap to health, like you have to pay attention to the fact that if you get a good one, don't just blindly trust anybody, but when you find a good one, they are your roadmap to health. They're the ones who are gonna plant the roadmap and get you there. You won't know how to get there, but they can help you get there. Your therapist is the roadmap to healing and health. Hmm. Done. There you go. Roadmap to My healing and health. Like too. I know, you probably, I have mine has been too, but. All right. Anything else you want to say before we end this show? Nothing other than I am super grateful for each of you. I'm super pumped about all the artists that we're interviewing. It's been a challenge, just FYI for y'all, yeah. because coordinating schedules with artists and they're touring or traveling or recording and we're going different places is really hard because I don't just do this. I want to yeah. just do this. <laughs> and that way it'd be available all the time to do different and more yeah. videos and more reactions and more interviews. Yeah. But that's been super awesome. So to have... Uh, Talking about reaction therapy as a whole, a special topic or an artist is incredible. It's been been a blast. So yeah. thank you for just being a part of this. And who knows what's coming next? No, artists are coming soon. Some artists before you even know it. So it's going to be awesome. Thank you so much for watching and we'll see you on the next, next reaction, reaction therapy, therapy podcast. podcast.